and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. Uh, the Gospel of Mark will open up in chapter number 8, starting with verse number 1. Again, Mark chapter 8. Verse 1, we are trucking right along through the Gospel of Mark. How many of you have enjoyed this and have grown just by going verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark? And I've, I've picked up on things and noticed things. When you slow down, you tend to notice more, don't you? That's also true in life. <laughs> when you slow down, you just tend to notice more. But it's true when you slow down in God's Word, you just pick up on uh, all the amazing things there. Last week... We preached on uh, Jesus healing the Gentiles and what that means that, that God's heart is for all people. And, and although Jesus did come as a Hebrew, as a Jew, and although he clearly came to the lost sheep of Israel, Israel is to be a light to the nations. And we, we talked about what that means for us. And, and I want to pick up uh, in chapter number 8, starting with verse number 1, this is just right after he's healed, if you recall, the, the woman who intercedes for her daughter. Um, and then right after that, he heals uh, the man um, touching his tongue, the man who couldn't speak, and how he's doing these miracles still, doing these miracles. And this is where we pick up in chapter number 8, starting with verse number 1. In those days when, again, a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. Some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. Um, that, by the way, is exactly what happens to me when I go fishing. A few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Listen to this. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of, this is going to be interesting, Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Verse 16, this is speaking of the disciples. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, 
Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? If you're the type that has a physical Bible and you like underlining, highlighting, all of that, that phrase right there, and do you not remember? That is one to underline and highlight. Because we, even those who've been serving the Lord for many years, have a tendency of forgetting what God has done in our lives. This is going on in verse 19, Jesus speaking, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And Jesus said to them, Do you not yet understand? Going on, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him, a blind man, and begged him to touch him. Notice the similarities from what we talked about last week. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Verse 25, very interesting. The first miracle like this. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Thank you. Next slide. Today I want to talk about signs and wonders in the time remaining that, that we have and what does it mean for us? If you have an outline, I want you to get that ready. If not, you can just pull out your phone and take some notes. But very important things in this text, some very unusual things. Mark's, if you've been following along in Mark's gospel, there's a few patterns that Jesus kind of breaks a little bit. Just when, when the disciples think they've got it all figured out, Jesus throws a curveball at them. How many of you have ever been going along in life and you had a good week and you're surprised there's money in the bank. Nobody's sick. Nobody has the flu or strep throat. Amen. Right? Your sports team is actually winning. OU softball, let's go. Hope that rubs off on the football team. But anyways, uh, hey, everything's going good, and then a curveball happens. And, and here's the thing. The disciples are seeing amazing signs and wonders. Nobody had a front row seat to see miracles like the disciples. These 12 ordinary men got to see up close and personal these amazing miracles happen. But then there's some things that Jesus does that kind of confuses them. And, and I want to talk about what that means for us today as we still follow Jesus today. So go to that next slide if you would. Let's talk about this first of all. Let's talk about the first group, and that's this. The people wanted to be fed. For three days, they've been following Jesus. They've been, be, they've been fed spiritually. Jesus has been instructing them. No doubt they're making friendships with people. They've left some things behind. 4,000 men, they're there. They're, they're following. They're listening to this, to this uh, teacher, to this rabbi, and, and they're learning things. But after a while, they get hungry. Now, i got news for you. It wouldn't take me three days to get hungry before I'm looking for the nearest Taco Bell. I'm saying... 
It's, it's been like three hours. Where's, where's snack time? We've had one breakfast. What about second breakfast? Anybody with me on that? But they've been following Jesus, and they've been doing this. And if you go back just a couple of pages in your Bible, you'll notice there was a similar story where Jesus feeds people. Jesus knows how to take care of physical needs. And he feeds them. And there are people that are hungry. And I love the verse that it says, Jesus said, I have compassion on the crowd. How many times have we seen in Mark's gospel, Jesus says, I have compassion. I have compassion. I have compassion. God's compassion is not like a cell phone battery that runs down. He doesn't run out of compassion. When you follow Jesus, when you're close to him, when you're diving deep into his word, there's going to be times when you're like, man, this is great, but I've also got some practical needs too. Like, you know, food, shelter, basics. I need a way of transportation. I need this and this. You need to know that Jesus looks at your situation and says, yeah, you've been following me. I have compassion on you. God knows how to meet our practical needs still. So if you have practical needs in your life, you need to bring them before the Lord, voice them, and stand back and watch God do his thing. Asking God and believing for the miraculous, by the way, is not an excuse to be lazy. Okay? But it is to say this, God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing. I'm following you. I need you to come through for me. Can you say amen to that? Point number two is this. We're trucking right along because we got some people to dunk. Number two is this. The Pharisees wanted a sign. Write that down. The Pharisees wanted a sign. It's amazing. They just witnessed, the people just witnessed, thousands of people just witnessed an amazing sign. God can take a little and turn it into a lot. That's a true principle for life. You say, God, all I have is my meager little job, my meager little life. All I've got, guess what? God can turn it into something amazing. But the the Pharisees, they wanted a sign and specifically to test him. And it struck me as I was studying this week that as amazing as God's breakthroughs are for us, As amazing as it is to see God do the very thing that we stop and look and say, wow, (laughs) I see you working here. I see you working here. As great as that is, that in and of itself doesn't convince some people. In fact, here's, here's another way to say it. Despite the evidence, they refuse to believe. For some people, no amount of evidence would ever convince them to actually follow Jesus. What they're doing is they're saying, hey, we want to test you. We want to see a sign. In other words, Jesus, do a magic trick. Come on, let me see something. Do, let me see you do something cool. I've been in places, you know, large places, uh, Los Angeles County on the, on the sidewalk, and you're just walking along, and all of, somebody, all of a sudden somebody, like, takes a thing and blows fire out, and you're like, whoa, how did they do that? That was pretty cool. Or you see somebody do a magic trick, and you're like, not going to lie, that's pretty cool. Then you get on YouTube and figure out how it was done. Here's the thing. It's not wrong to expect a sign. Hear me this morning. (laughs) Look at the first eight chapters. People are begging Jesus. Jesus, we want to see you. I need help here. I need a breakthrough. And all these amazing things are happening, but they come with a different motivation. 
Are you following me this morning? They come with a different motivation. And here's the difference. They demand something instead of submit to his lordship. Follow this this morning, y'all. It would be wrong for us to go through this gospel and say, man, do you remember Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law? Do you remember Jesus healing so-and-so? Do you remember Jesus doing that? Can he do that still today? You better believe it. But here's the difference. There's a difference between, between saying, Jesus, I demand you to do a magic trick for me versus God, no matter what you do, I'll submit to your lordship. The Pharisees wanted a sign. There's been times that I've begged Jesus, Lord, come through for me here. Come through for me. I need, I gotta, I need you to really do something miraculous here. I need provision. I need answers. I need a breakthrough. And if my motivation is saying, but Lord, no matter what you do, I trust you, then no matter what, I stand in the assurance that he's a good God. Right? And this text right here shows us the difference in somebody sitting at his feet for three days, willing to leave everything to be able just to simply follow him, to learn from him, versus the religious leaders who come and say, hey, I want you to do something because I need to test you. Jesus says, what a wicked, well, he doesn't sugarcoat it, does he? A wicked generation seeks a sign. That's, this is hard theologically because the book of Acts, we're to expect signs and wonders, right? What are those people who, who the the Holy Spirit falls on Pentecost. Signs and wonders will follow. But then Jesus says, only wicked people, a wicked generation seeks a sign. What is Jesus teaching here? It's, it's so simple. It's so basic. It's so remarkably plain that as soon as we grasp it, we think, nah, there's got to be more to it than that. Are you ready for it? Jesus is teaching us this basic principle. Seek the giver, not the gift. If you seek first the kingdom of heaven, then watch out. (laughs) But when you seek just a gift and your heart's not actually into following the giver, misplaced priorities. You follow? So should we expect signs and wonders? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Should you expect God to to do amazing things in your life through you, for you, with you? Should you expect that? Absolutely. But more than that, seek Him. Seek Him. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They, They could care less about Jesus. They wanted to see something cool happen. God forbid that we should ever become people that we forget who we are seeking, not the what we are seeking. Remember that the next time you're in a doctor's office. Remember that next that the next time you're in a hospital. Remember that the next time you're staring at a, a bill you can't pay. Remember that the next time you're facing a situation in your family. Remember that the next time that you begin to intercede and ask God to come through for you. Don't forget to say, but Jesus, no matter what, help me to seek you through this. Boy, that's good. I got to go. Number three. Number three. So the people wanted to be fed, and Jesus met their needs. The Pharisees wanted us to sign, and Jesus taught them about what is really important. But then number three, the disciples 
wanted easier teaching. The disciples wanted easier teaching. I love that following Jesus isn't complicated. God, can I get an amen to that? Thank you. I mean, Jesus says, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, get you a doctorate first and we'll see. Put you through a probationary period. We'll see how this thing works out. He says, come on, come on, follow me. In fact, we learned just a few weeks ago, he sent them out to evangelize when they were barely understanding what was even going on. He's like, you guys got this. Don't take a whole lot. Go and shake the dust off your feet, right? But he talks to them here. I don't have time to break down every single thing that's going on. But it's just a good summary just to wrap it up and say this. The disciples were still struggling with some of the, the nuances of Jesus' teaching. They understood enough to follow him, but they still struggled and said, man, it'd be so much easier if we could just wrap our minds around this because some of this is hard. How many of you would raise a hand, say, after years of following Christ, I still find some things hard? Oh, come on, please, somebody don't make me feel alone in that. Jesus, Jesus, I've been following you almost 30 years now. And there are still times I have to make myself stop and say, yeah, this forgiveness thing's hard. I've been following you for 30 years, and this whole thing about me not being in control and laying down my pride, it's hard. And it's interesting that Jesus has compassion on the crowd, but those that he's really close to, he starts elbowing them a little bit and says, hey, guys, come on. Are you still struggling with this? I love that Jesus is so compassionate, and yet he can be stern when he needs to. Some of us need to be elbowed by Christ every once in a while and say, are you still dealing with that? (laughs) Not, Not once, but twice, they've seen him take a little bit of food and multiply it. And here they are saying, ah, we're hungry, I guess we're not gonna eat. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. You've done the miraculous. You've even involved them in the miracle. And they go, I'm hungry. How many of you are little kids? You're like, hey, guys, we're going to eat in 10 minutes. Oh, the world's over. And you're like, but that's that's, that's what's going on here. Jesus is saying, hey, 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 do you not remember? That's. That's why I'm glad you're in church on a Sunday morning. I'm glad you go to a small group. I'm, I'm glad you download the podcast. I'm glad that you got your favorite TBN or YouTube preacher. I know you all have one. I'm glad that you do that. But if you don't saturate your life in the Word and look at the countless examples of God coming through for people, that whenever you face hardships, you're not going to have that deep reservoir of life from being rooted in the scriptures, you're going to be just like the disciples and say, God, when's the last time you ever did something for me? Jesus is saying, did you not see what I just did? God forbid that not only do we see signs and wonders, but two weeks later we're acting as if they never happened. I think one of the most difficult things, again, it's, all, it's an impossible thing to do, to put yourself in the, 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 the shoes of God. 
One of the most difficult things is to do a miracle for somebody and then two weeks later, they live as if it never happened. They wanted an easier teaching. In other words, they didn't see the big picture of what Jesus was up to. I've got good news for you, though. Next week, we're going to look at it. Things are finally going to be getting to click. And Peter himself is going to come around and say, I've got some stuff figured out. In other words, answers do come as long as we stay close to Christ. Lastly is this, the blind man wanted to see. <laughs> I love this story. Uh, Jesus does the, the, the big miracle for a big group, and then he comes and he does a unique miracle that we haven't seen anything like as of yet. He comes and, and he lays his hands on him. He does more than that, by the way, but he, he, he helps this man to where he's, he can't see, but then he can see kind of. We've not seen Jesus do this before. What does Jesus do? When he says the word, it's done. When he lays his hand on somebody, when he says the words, little girl rise, she gets up. Right? When he lays his hand on the sick, they're healed. He can say the words, your sins are forgiven, go, take up your bed and walk, and they do. But then he does a half miracle? Partial miracle? Sort of miracle? He does something... And then the blind, he says, can you see? And the blind man says, kind of. I see people, they look like trees. <laughs> Which is interesting, by the way. How did the blind man know what trees look like? But that was not meant to be funny, but I'm glad that you found humor in my exposition. Thank you for that. Um, then he does it again. A second time. And then it says, then he saw clearly. By the way, there's some similarities there with the story we read last week, aren't there? He, he uh, takes the man out from the crowd. Jesus has no problem being in a big crowd. He has no problem taking somebody by the hand and doing something for just one person as well. And so what happens is he does this, and the man receives a two-staged miracle. Uh, musicians come. Dakota, you can come. Here's the message of, here's the point of this. Why does Jesus do this in two stages? There's lots of possible answers why. I think the fact that Mark includes this story right after the story we just looked at is really, really simple. It's really remarkable. You see, it could be that Jesus is demonstrating that spiritual sight is not always perceived right away. The disciples saw in part but it took them a little while before they saw clearly, didn't they? There were some of the religious leaders that they saw Jesus could do the miraculous, but they didn't see everything right away. And I believe that it's quite possible that Jesus doing a physical miracle of doing a two-stage thing where somebody's blind, then they can kind of see, but then they can clearly see, it could be that Jesus is pointing to this man and saying, Disciples, pay attention here. This is you. Y'all are following me. You're not seeing everything. You can, you can see a little bit, but in the text we're going to look at next week, Peter finally goes, Whoa! I see who you are. So, what's the application for us in this? It's simply this. Just because you don't see everything clearly, take heart. Jesus can still clear things up for you. Bow your heads with me. 
Jesus, I know that I'm not the only one here today. There's been times that I don't see everything clearly. Lord, I, I, I trust you. I follow you. I'm believing for you to do breakthroughs in my life. I'm believing for amazing things to happen. But Lord, sometimes I just don't see clearly. I don't understand what you're up to in the big picture. I don't, I don't fully grasp what you're doing in my life. But I do know this. As long as I can stay close to you and as long as you're still in my life, eventually I will see everything clearly. Lord, for those who are here today, that they need a sign from you. Lord, I pray that they have big faith, Lord, that they believe for you to come through for them. But may we not only seek the gift, may we most importantly seek the giver. And Lord, for those who are struggling today, who are blind, they can't see everything clearly. They, they, they feel confused and lost and hopeless and everything is, is, is fuzzy. There's no clarity about what the future holds. Help us just to see. Just keep waiting. You'll clear it up. You'll clear it up. Just as you did for the disciples. Just as you did for this man here. Even if it's a two-stage miracle that we need. Even if it's a progressive thing. Lord, we ask for you just to continue to minister. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.